I'm G. Scott, and this is Leaving a Legacy. Our guest today is someone that you've seen on TV plenty of times, Nate Burleson. The pride of Seattle, analyst on NFL Today, and now co-host of CBS Mornings, Nate Burleson. Nate, welcome to the show, my man. What's up, G? How you doing, man? I can't complain. I'm grateful for this. But I'm going to start right off. I'm going to go back to 13 years ago. And the conversation would go just like this. You're playing for the Seattle Seahawks, and you say, gee, I need you to come by and take care and clean my vehicles. That was 13 years ago. And here we are today. And my brother, I wake up watching you in the morning times. You are doing something. I'm doing something that's completely different. Who would have ever thought that 13 years later that our lives would be like this? How about this? One, let me say um, I'm proud of you. Um, you've been doing an incredible job. Um, you've been leveling up each year and, and also improving on the skill and the craft that it takes um, to be a media personality. But you're right, though. Here we are in 2021. We are results of prayer, manifestation, um, hard work. Um, some of the things that we have done when people aren't watching us behind closed doors, working on our craft, as Will Smith would say, beating on our craft. Um, we have done that. And I think what I am most proud of when it comes to um, where we are right now versus where we were is we are living testaments that you can rewrite the narrative of not your career, but your life. There's so many people that are stuck in a position where they're like, is this it? Is, is this is this all I'm going to be? Um, is, is this who I'm going to be identified as the rest of my life? You don't have to. I mean, really, at the drop of a dime, you can decide. Now, doors may not open right away, like we were just talking about off camera, but we were grinding to get here. So as humble as I am when people say, look at you, man, look at you, you're, you're really doing it, man. You moved to New York and you're working for Nickelodeon, the NFL Network, and now CBS Mornings. I humbly say thank you and I appreciate it. And I do feel like it is an absolute honor to be doing what I'm doing. But in the same breath, I know the work that I put in. I know the work you put in. I've seen you. So that's why I'm excited to do this right now because um, it's like looking at a mirror reflection of somebody that has put in the same work. CBS Mornings, man. Like, that's big. Congratulations again. Thank you. Thank um, you. How you feel about the new job? I love it. I really do. Um, football has been um, a blessing for me. And it's been a launch point for a lot of the things that I've done in my lifetime. You know, opening a restaurant, starting businesses, starting clothing lines, being a poet, an artist, um, you know, working in the financial sector, helping athletes invest money. All of these different things, they have grown from the tree of football. Um, but I must say, football was a small part of who I was. It's not necessarily who I am. So there were times where I felt like I wanted to do more. I needed more, which is why I decided to take the job with Extra. Extra wasn't paying me a ton of money, but I, I wanted to shake things up and, and, and dip my toes into the entertainment space. Um, you know, I, I started to work on uh, more impactful pieces for the NFL Network. I narrated a documentary uh, about Fritz Pollard, and I, I did voiceover work for some of the social justice pieces because there was a desire inside of me to talk about things that weren't just surface. Um, I'm not being dismissive of my job as an analyst. It is a very important gig, you know, bringing to life the game that is already special in its own right. But every day I would come home and I'm just like, I I feel like I should be doing more. I feel like I, I should I should have more of a, a deeper impact on how I deliver news. Um, sports news is great. People do need it. Um, excuse me. People do want it. But daily news people need. So um, to, to be in this position where it's an obligation and a responsibility to wake up and give people impartial, non-biased news on a daily basis. Man, it's 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 a thrill. It's a thrill, but 
it's also heavy in moments because not every day is great news. So, you know, sometimes it seems like the world is literally burning and there's chaos all around and we have to be um, the center for some people. We have to focus them in the morning before they leave the house. We have to tell them there might be a hurricane in this region and there might be this going on overseas in Afghanistan and then there might be this going on locally or nationally. But there's also a reason to smile. So for two hours a day, people get to wake up with myself, Gail King, and Tony DeCopel. And, and um, it, it's been great. We're only a couple of weeks in, but I'm loving it. I want to, because sometimes there are people that we know in our lives that are special. And most people are special. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I didn't know that was going to happen. And I want to talk about you. I met you years ago. You were playing football at the time, and I got to tell you my moment, and I don't know if I should tell this to the world, but I got to tell everybody. My moment when I knew you were special, and what I mean by special is you did things the way you do things. Do you remember what you would do with your suits and the inside of your suits before playing opposing teams talk about that yeah so um I, I would plan out my suits long before the season um actually started so i would talk to my tailor and i would have these subtleties within my suit that was uh, basically a nod to the teams that we were playing so i would take color schemes and i would put them in the lining of the jacket or even the stitching sometimes it would be the tie or the pocket square um but if you watched um me walk off the bus or walk into a stadium you could tell what team we were playing by the color scheme. So if it was like orange and a navy or a blue, you'd say, oh, well, he must be playing the Broncos. Oh, wait, wait, if I'm, if I'm looking at like yellow and green, you're like, oh, that, that has to be the Packers. Um, so that was my unique way of standing out. And, and you're right. That's, that's, that's who I am. And, and a lot of that has been, um, my signature on TV. I didn't want to, join the NFL network and break down X's and O's like everybody else. I didn't want to just say, all right, he runs the corner route. The the safety is closing in on him. The wide receiver grabs the ball and he gets upfield, touchdown. That's basic, you know. Um, I wanted to add a little bit of color, a little bit of flavor. Um, I wanted to add my signature to everything that I did. And I realized, like, I'm an individual that loves movies, pop culture, music, politics, um, culturally relevant moments, so I just said to myself, we'll start talking about sports in that way. The way I would talk about sports to my friends um, in a very descriptive, almost cinematic way, I'm going to start doing that. And I did that in the entertainment space, and I'm doing that now on CBS Mornings. Uh, you know, I, I always want to uh, make sure that I respect the legacy of whatever show that I'm on. Um, I also want to make sure that traditionalists, um, people that are used to how certain shows are done that they can sit back and listen without um, me being too over the top. But at the same time, I do feel like there is a younger demographic. Um, there is a new wave of watchers that aren't just watching a TV on the wall. They're looking at their phones. They're looking at their iPads and their tablets. So we have to deliver it in a way that they can digest it. So, um, yeah, my uniqueness has um, sometimes been a little bit too much for people, but I'm a Leo, so I got to do what I got to do. Um, and uh, But oftentimes, it has uh, led me down the right path. You talk about flavor, and so let's talk about your recent new job, because you got a whole bunch of jobs, right? Like, I didn't even want it to take too long to talk about all your jobs, but l let's talk about your your role with CBS Mornings. What flavor is it that you bring to that show? What are some of the issues and topics that draw your attention? Talk about that. Well, one, I am a storyteller. Um, I think that's one of my biggest strengths is um, that I can sit down and capture a room and tell a story like we're um, around a campfire. Uh, two, I'm very passionate about every single story that I get involved in. So um, when people see me on TV, they always um, describe it as somebody who really cares. It's because I'm not mailing it in. So if I'm doing my work and my research on something, um, I'm fully invested. I'm fully invested in that storyline. I'm fully invested in that person that I'm sitting down with. Um, and that spills 
across the screen and into people's homes when they're watching me, whether it's in the, the morning news space, um, entertainment or sports. Um, but in particular, you know, I, I want to also make sure that I remain true to the exquisite journalism that CBS is known for. Um, so that's first and foremost, uh, making sure early in the morning, seven o'clock hour, we are giving people the news on a, on a local, national, a global level. I mean, my first day, we're jumping right in talking about Biden pulling people out of Afghanistan and um, and, and where we stand uh, 20 years post 9-11. That was one of the first stories that I touched on. I didn't come in with the fluff story. Hey, I'm the football player. Let's talk sports or we're in a new studio. I'm here in Times Square talking with Mickey Mouse. Like they 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 respected the fact that um, I am in a position to speak on more than just sports. And that is one of the main reasons why I got this job. So right out the gate, I think people understood, all right, this isn't just a token black guy. This isn't just the football hire. This isn't just a guy to mix it up. Um, this is an individual that is well-respected in his industry, um, but also um, is going to peel back the layers of himself so you can see him for much more than an athlete. And, and I, I am a proponent of every athlete really shedding that title. Uh, but also the financial sector, I am an investor and I, I love, love the fact that, um, we are teaching financial literacy at a younger age because, you know, my dad didn't have stocks and bonds. Um, you know, he, he, he didn't put on a suit and, 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 and work and work at Wall Street. Um, you know, my, my dad wasn't a financial investor. He was, you know, a nine to five dude. And uh, worked in a warehouse until he got a manager position and, and he was able to work his way up. The same thing with my mom. Um, so as I became a young millionaire, you know, I, I wanted to know what it was like um, to be an investor and have a diverse portfolio, everything from stocks and bonds to insurance policies, creating ladders of income for, for when I hit 50 and 60 and 70 years old, um, being heavily invested in my 401k, all of the retirement plans that the NFL offers. Um, and now you know, working my way into the cryptocurrency space. So I also want to tell those stories. I feel like there's there's young men and women, multimillionaires and billionaires that um, have stories that need to be told to our youth. And, and, and these are individuals, some traditional um, path, go to college, they get the education, um, they grind, and then something happens where an idea or a business goes big. Some of these are high school dropouts. And they are like, you know what? I am so stubborn about this idea that I'm going to stick with it. And they have created um, generational wealth for themselves. I want to tell those stories because they parallel society. Um, I also want to tell the real life stories of individuals and businesses that um, might not be the Fortune 500, the mom and pop restaurants and stores and chains and bodegas in New York um, that either struggled and didn't make it out of the pandemic or made it out and are thriving. Um, I want to be able to to, you know, give those stories to the world. Then also, you know, touch on the the social climate of this country um, over the last couple of years. Um, we've seen it all from, you know, people being on one side of the political spectrum and there being a divide because of that, whether it's because of race religion, just your culture in general, classes. Um, you know, I, I want to, one, point out the differences because there are, but within those differences, um, have people realized that there are more commonalities mm, than we on. actually give, um, you know, give understanding to. So uh, those are those are many of the stories. And, and we've been having pitch meetings over the last couple of weeks. And right out the gate, they're like, so, Nate, here's a few things that we're interested in that we know that you love. Um, and, and knowing you as a businessman, here's some of the things that we want to throw throw towards your way. And then I came right back and was like, I got this. Boom, 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 boom. And they were all I think they were all just they were excited that I was excited. And right. I think they were they were also um, thrilled that there's a wide variety of things that I am interested in. So in a very long winded way. Um, there's a ton of things that I want to touch on. I only have so much time, um, but I, I'm going to make sure that the pieces I do are impactful. Now, I'll have a fluff piece or two, of course. Like, I, you know, I, I'm a guy who believes in UFOs, and I'm from the Pacific Northwest, so we grew up thinking Bigfoot was around the corner. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to, you know, maybe go do a cooking segment or a fitness segment. 
DB Cooper? Yes. Yes. <laughs> of course. That story was wild. Yeah, of course. So, um, I do want, I do want to touch on those stories as well, but, um, I don't want people to see me on TV and just think, oh, I'm a charming guy with a nice smile and a good suit, but he's not saying anything that's worth, um, worth our attention. I want, I want people to see the pieces, the features and the essays that I do walk away, um, provoking thought and allowing them to dive into that story themselves. You know how it is. Some of the more, more impactful things that you have ever heard, whether it was when you were 10 years old, 15, 30, 40, or 50, are the things that, one, you always remember, but two, more importantly, you continue to research on your own after you're done watching. So that's my goal. Yeah, I love what you just said, and you're right. The things that you continue after you've heard or seen a segment, and you're like, I need to go find out more. Let me dig a little deeper. You're so right about that. Nate, oftentimes I see you, I, I see all your roles, and I, I just love how you do it. I see you talking football, the way you're talking football, and I did watch you talk about what happened in Afghanistan, and 20 years later, you were incredible with that. And then there's another side to me that when I watch you, I live through you like, oh, Nate, you met this person. Oh, you interviewed that person. Nate, I need to know because I've had some times where I fumbled it up because I was so excited to meet somebody. I know you got some stories, man, where you where you met somebody and you you was out of character. You kind of like, I was, I was a little bit too animated, too hyped. You got some stories, share one or two, whatever you got. I'll say this. Um, I've never actually um, lost my cool so much that you could tell on camera, but I definitely, um, you know, was thrown off by somebody else's response to me. I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, actually, I'll give you three. Lady Gaga. I interviewed her before she sang the national anthem before the Super Bowl in Santa Clara. And I came in and, you know, listen, I got a lion on my neck. I feel like I'm a Leo. I mean, I feel like I'm a lion because I'm a Leo. So I walk around every day feeling like I'm going to conquer every jungle that I'm in. Um, so when I walked into that room, I was prepared. I had my questions. I had the questions that the NFL Network gave me. And then I did something unique where I took very obscure lyrics from her songs and I weaved them into questions. And I was just going to see if she could catch them. And I, I knew I was going to kill it. So I walked in. I did my thing. I got all set up. I'm looking fresh. Got my legs crossed like Michael Jordan in the 90s. You know, and I got my cars, but I done studied my notes so much. I don't even need my cars. I have them there so because I, I purposely want you to see me with my cards and not look at them. I'm set, right? So she gets in, and it's like Charlie Murphy describing Prince. Like, she literally just floats in. Like, she got energy about her. Um, and she sits down, and she, when she's locked in on you, she is locked in on. I mean, her eyes do not leave. When she's in a moment, she's there. Um, nothing else matters. So it's, it's like something my coach used to say, um, be exactly where your feet are. And that's where she was. So we start the interview off and I'm cool. I'm like, boom, 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 boom. She's like, ah, okay. I like your energy. She answers the question. I come right back. First question has song lyrics in it. She kind of caught it, but not really. Second question, she hears it again. She's like, huh. Third question, she's like, all right, I see what you're doing. This is unique. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, I see you did your homework. And I'm like, of course. I was like, you do a million interviews. I had to make sure this was different. And she's like, yes, that, that is actually unique. Um, and so now I'm feeling myself, right? It's almost like, it's almost like two lions, you know, like positioning for power. And is it like, is it like Michael Jordan hitting six threes against Portland? Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, are you kind of like that? I'm kind of like, okay, I'm feeling myself. But then it's almost like her coming back and hitting six threes herself because I'm as I'm like now in my bag and I'm talking to the, the camera. I'm like, all right, so I'm like, give me a second. We're going to uh, reset. We're going to move the cameras. Uh, we want to get a different feel for the second part of the interview. I'm really feeling myself now. I'm like, all right, so um, are right, we coming out in the two shot? All right, make sure we get the boom out of here. Am I on the one? And then we'll open up. And, and, and as I turn away, she was looking at me. I'm talking for like a 90 seconds and I turn back. She just, she didn't even break eye contact. She's looking at me the whole time. And when I come back, I'm like, all right, cool. We're going to come out on the, oh, and I'm just like stuck. And I started like sweating because it was almost like she was like, I see you. You're doing your thing, but like, I'm here. 
I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. So immediately I was like, <clears throat> all right, cool. I got a hot bother. But then I jumped right back into it. Great interview. That was one time. Great. Second time, J-Lo, um, she's, she's promoting a perfume. And she's supposed to be there at like 8 o'clock. She's running late. And this is like my first year with Extra. And I got to wake up early for Good Morning Football. And I'm in the Bronx somewhere. And I got to come all the way back to Jersey. So... I'm sitting there and I'm just like tired. I'm like, man, all right. I'm not mad at J-Lo. Like, you know, she's coming from a different place. She's doing this, this press run. I get it. So her handler comes in, like her assistant, this young girl. And she's like, all right, so J-Lo's going to be here in a second. Um, we just got here. Got five minutes. And originally, it's supposed to be eight. So my assistant is like, or my producer is like, okay, yeah, she's running a little late. So eight minutes. And she's like, no, we got to go after this. Five minutes. He's still trying to be funny. He's like, how about nah, seven minutes? And she's like, no, not seven minutes, five minutes. And then she looks at me. I'm not even in the conversation. She looks at me. She's like, five minutes. And then, like, mind you, like she's younger than me. She's like in her twenties probably. And she's not being rude. She's just doing her job. But like, I'm, I'm a grown man. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm almost 40 years old. You talking to me like, 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 like I'm just some like random dude that's here interviewing her. Um, which to her I was, into JLo I was because it was my first year with Extra. But with that said, I'm sitting there. I don't even break a smile. I don't even nod. I'm just, I look at her and you can tell she's kind of like, Oh, like I've never even met this guy. Like he kind of has an attitude. She goes and she sees JLo and she kind of hits him with the like, all right, listen, we're going to be in and out. Like it's a new guy. So let's just let's get it out. I'm a professional though. JLo bends the corner and, uh, you know, I flipped the switch. I'm a fan of JLo and I did my work. I'm like, Jennifer Lopez, ooh, singer, songwriter, dancer, philanthropist, family woman, and actress, that movie Hustlers, ooh, I think I'm smelling an Oscar, right? So I'm, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing what I do. I'm passionate about this. Taylor's like, who are you? Like, where you come from? I'm like, how you doing? My name is April. So nice to meet you. I used to play football, but now I'm doing entertainment. She's like, football? Nah. Like, you're way too comfortable. I'm like, well, I'll take that as a compliment. She's like, I just never seen you before, and you look really comfortable in this space. I'm like, well, thank you. And she's like, there's no way this is your first time doing this. I was like, yeah, it's my first year. I was like, don't worry about it. Now now I'm in my bag again. I was like, don't worry about it. We're good. Five, four, three, two. And she cuts me off. She's like, five, four, three, two. Look at you. So that was the moment where, like, in in one instance, I was, like, kind of upset about how I was being talked to, but then also how – how early I had to wake up after this late call. But then I flipped the script and got back into it. And J-Lo afterwards was like, look, you are really good at this. Um, you're going to have a long career if you're going to do this for a while. Uh, but this was a great interview. You did a great job. So, like, that was one of the moments where I, I dove deep in my bag. The last moment. Wait, wait, wait. Did you get longer than five minutes? Oh, I, I, I got to, like, 15 minutes. And the, uh, the assistant was like this. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think the assistant realized how much of a fan I am of J-Lo and then the work I put in. So I'm when I'm a fan of you and the job is to promote you, which is majority of the interviews, a little bit different in news, but I'm going to, I'm here to accentuate whatever it is you're doing. I am the supporting actor. You are the main attraction. So um, once her assistant saw that and her team saw that, they're like, yo, you can talk to her as long as you want. This dude is good. So um that that was a good moment. And then the Irishman movie is coming out. I'm on the red carpet, which still to the to this day, man, I done ran through linebackers. I done I done been in the playoffs, bro. I done been in Lambeau with snow hitting the ground, Brett Favre throwing dimes, and I had to go score a touchdown to give our team the lead. I know what pressure and anxiety is like. There's nothing like being on a red carpet for a movie. Nothing. It is it is intense. I, I was getting pushed around. Uh, they, you got reporters and, and cameramen and women that that do this for a living, and I'm sitting there like with my microphone, trying to like I'm like, uh, excuse me, and they're just pushing me out the way. And like my producers and my cameraman is like, Yo, Nate, this is our space. You got to stay in this space. Like you're a football player. Like I'm like, bro, I can't be out here throwing elbows. I'm in a suit. Like I've never been here before. I don't even know. This is all foreign to me. Like I don't get. I don't like this. So, um, so they come over. De Niro comes over. He does his thing. De Niro does his De Niro thing. 
Um, and then uh, a couple of other actors and actresses come by. Pacino comes by. Oh, boy. So Pacino, he comes slowly walking over. And I'm like, hey, how you doing, Mr. Pacino? Um, my name is Nate Burleson. And, and uh, he goes, before I can finish, he goes, yeah, I, I know who you are. And I'm like, huh? What? He's like, yeah, yeah, I know who you are. And I was like, wait. I literally said, wait, I said, I looked at the camera because our camera was rolling. So I'm like, yo, time out for a second. And they kept rolling, but I wanted them to stop it because I'm about to fan out. And I'm like getting sweaty behind my knees and I'm getting off. And, I'm, and then I'm like, uh, hold on, hold on. I was like, Mr. Pacino, like, you seriously know who I am? He's like, yeah, yeah, you're the football guy. It's like you play in the, play in the league and that, and now you do the sports show in the morning and on the weekends. Yeah, yeah. He's at the Vikings. And I was like, what is going on? And he's like, yeah, you do a good job. And I was like, yo, this is crazy. And that was the moment where I almost kind of like, I almost lost it. Like as far as my professionalism, I wanted to drop the mic and be like, yo, what's up, man? Give me a hug, man. Yo, we can talk movie, football, whatever. But I just, I kept it. I was like, yo, all right, this is unbelievable that you know who I am, but I have to do my job. So I just asked him some questions about the movie. But um, afterwards he was like, yeah, keep, keep, keep doing what you're doing. And I was like, yo, this is wild. So those are the few moments of celebrities where, you know, I was, I was knocked off of my balance a little bit. I love those stories. And the Al Pacino, listen, I can feel that moment so much that I got sweaty. You telling me that story. Like I'm living through you once again. You know, I've had and will continue to speak to those that are successful that are doing well through life and this this podcast is leaving a legacy and one of the things that really stands out to me in speaking to a lot of people over the years is there's always that moment and we can call it the bounce back moment we can call it the moment in which it it was tough times i know i've had plenty of tough times your bounce back moment, the moment, your lowest point in which you were so low and that probably propelled you to get to the next stage in life. I got to hear about it. I'll take you back to 2008. I'm coming off of one of my best years in my career. I led the Seahawks in catches and touchdowns. I'm killing them at pump return. I'm feeling myself. Um, following season, um, Dion Branch, he's recovering from an ACL. So, um, it looks like it's, it's me to start the season off, you know, um, through unfortunate circumstances of guys being banged up. It's like, yo, Nate, we're going to come to you. We're going to feed you. It's going to be another big year for you. We go to Buffalo, uh, first game of the season. I remember running the corner route. The cornerback grabbed me. Um, I try to jump, but he was holding on to me. So my foot got stuck in the ground. They throw the PI because it was a pass interference, but I tweak my knee and I'm like, yo, man, my knee is sore. My calf started cramping a little bit, which means, um, you know, there's something wrong because your body is speaking to you. It's starting to compensate. So I'm like, whatever. I'm hard headed, high adrenaline, um, a very high tolerance for pain. Um, so I'm ignoring the signs. Second quarter. I run a fade route, left side of the field. Matt Hasselbeck throws it up. I jump up over the dude, snatch it off. You know what I'm saying? Boom. Score a touchdown. I get up. I'm screaming. In my head, I'm thinking, all right, one, my knee can't be that bad. I just scored a touchdown. Two, I just scored a touchdown in the first half of the first game of the season. I'm about to have 15 touchdowns. I'm going to the Pro Bowl. I'm about to once again prove when I'm healthy. I'm the best wide receiver in the game. I'm feeling myself. We're going to halftime. My knee gets a little bit swollen. And I'm like, damn, now those calf cramps are getting stronger. And I'm like, yo, um, something's wrong with my knee, but I don't know. The, the, the doctors and the trainers, they're like, well, you've had knee injuries before. So your knee's a little loose, but you had a PCL injury back with the Minnesota Vikings. So we don't think it's anything significant, but we, we want you to sit out. Like just, just sit out. And I'm like, sit out. Man, I'm about to get another touchdown, maybe two. Like, what are you talking about? It's the first game of the year. They're like, Nate, look, we obviously can't tell you what to do. You're moving around. You're jumping around here in the locker room. But we advise you not to play the rest of the game. Let's check it out when we get back. 
and then we'll assess it, and then you can play week two. I'm like, nah, man, tape it up. It ain't that bad. If I can walk, I can run. If I can run, I can play. I'm good. So I go out there. I tape it up. I, I jog out there. Third quarter, we're going in the score. I got a, a dodge route, which basically I can go inside, outside. The cornerback is way inside. So I'm like, I'm about to break outside. I'm about to catch this ball. The corner's going to be out of there because the outside receiver's running them off. I'm about to skate up the sideline. That's two touchdowns. Oh, we lit. And uh, I look at Matt. Matt looks at me. He's like, I see the coverage you see. Oh, yeah, let's go to work. Give me a nod. I give him a nod. Hi. I run three steps. I plant that left leg. Boom, I go down. I'm like, yo, what's up? I'm on the ground. Trainer comes over like, you all right? I'm like, I don't know. I was like, who tackled me? He's like, nobody tackled you. I'm like, no, no, somebody tackled me. I was, I went down. Like, I know the dude was far. Did he die in my legs? And they're like, nobody was around you. You went down by yourself. And I'm like, oh, this ain't good. So I get to the sideline and I'm still moving around. I'm jumping up and down on my toes. They're like, Nate, we're not letting you back in the game. We'll head back home. We'll check it out. We don't think it's an ACL, but we'll, uh, we'll get some MRIs done. And we'll let you know in the morning. I go into the training room and uh, the back office, doctors, trainers. I walk in. Hey, what's up, Nate? Every doctor, every trainer, they're looking like this. Hey, Nate, how you doing? I knew it was bad. And they were like, you tore your ACL completely. And most likely you tore it in the first quarter, um, but you played through it. And uh, you probably you, you partially tore it in the first quarter and you just completely tore it in third. But you scoring that touchdown, you probably thought it wasn't that bad. He's like, look, we 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 might have misdiagnosed saying it wasn't an ACL, but we just it, it was it was weird for us to see you still bouncing around after you went down. And I was like, yeah, no, 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 I get it. And they're like, sorry, sorry. I'm like, it's not your fault. This is the game. Like, I'm good. This is part of the game. I want to set up the story like that so you could understand what I was thinking in that moment at that point in my career. I go to Alabama, a place I've never been before. Dr. Andrews, one of the best doctors in the world, does all the surgeries for all the athletes in all sports. Um, I'm sitting in the office, and now it becomes real because I know surgery is around the corner, my first major surgery. And I remember him putting his hand on my shoulder. He's like, you're going to be all right, son. You're going to be all right. It was almost like he was my, my grandpops or something. And I was like, thank you. So I get this surgery and this is where it gets dark. So, um, as I'm recovering from this surgery, I'm going to this hotel every day and then I will go to rehab in the morning and in the evening. Mind you, I get picked up and dropped off. I'm in Alabama. I don't know where to go. My only friends are the people that are working at this rehab facility. Um, after uh, a couple of weeks of me listening to the broadcast, the Seattle Seahawks broadcast on radio because it's Alabama, right? It's not on TV. I realized that they weren't mentioning my name. And I, for some reason, I thought, like, man, I'm coming off a big season. I scored a touchdown that first game. they probably be talking about how much they miss me or the announcers would say my name a little bit more often. And it hit me. It's like, this game is going to move on without you. And, 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 and it, and it might move on before you even get back. And now I start talking to myself. Now it's, it's, it's that state of depression where it's like, well, well, that's if you get back, Nate. And you're, you're a leaper. You, you know, one of your strengths is your hops and your agility and your speed. You know, all of that leaves you after the ACL. I mean, you'll be back, but you're not going to be like that, like that. And on the other side, I'm like, no, 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 it'll be all right. I seen other guys come back. I'm, I'm going to be one of those guys that come back. And here it is, the depression jumping in. Yeah, true. But we also got a lot of receivers on the roster in Seattle. You know how it is after you get injured. They don't want to pay you because it's a money thing. Oh, man. And what about all the stupid stuff you bought in the past? Like, you know, you don't know, about cars and, and, and watches. And, you know, you, you, you're, you're so free with your money. You give it to family and friends and you pay for everything. You always tell people, oh, I, I, I have good earning potential. So you never want people to pay you back. Don't you wish you asked for that money now? And I'm just sitting there, drowning in my thoughts. So I'm like, if I'm drowning in my thoughts, I might as well drown in some drinks. So every day I would go to the hotel. Um, it first started with like a vodka on the rocks with a little bit of cranberry juice. And now I, I'm sipping on it and I go back to my room, just sitting there trying to figure out when I'm going to get back. A few days later, I go, hey, let me get um, make it a double. With cranberry? No, no, no. Actually, 
Just to just to drop it. Just to color it. All right. A few days later, now it's like, uh, is there a triple? Just whatever. Fill up the glass. A little bit of ice. I don't need no cranberry. And I remember at one point, a couple weeks into it, I went to the guy and I was like, hey, um, can I just give you a hundred bucks? You just give me the bottle. I just, I'm on these crutches and I gotta go upstairs. And it's like, I'd rather just have it in my room. And I'm just sitting there, bottle of vodka, like a Gatorade. And after rehab, I would just sit back. I wouldn't get blasted. I wouldn't be throwing up or hammered. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like black out. I just was drinking to drown my emotions. And I remember one night I was sitting there with that bottle and I'm sipping on it and I fall asleep. I wake up with all of my clothes on, which I'm a, I'm a hot body. I run hot. So I, I got pajamas. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I need, I need, I need thin clothes when I sleep. I never sleep in the clothes that I wear. So it was already hot. The crazier thing is when I woke up, I woke up with my arms crossed. Like I was in a casket. I'm a side sleeper. I sleep on my stomach. I move around. I'm that guy. So for me to be sitting straight up, fully clothed, hands over my chest crossed, and I wake up and I'm just like, and I look at myself and I think in my head, yo, if I let my depression or my frustration or my emotions get the best of me, this bottle is going to beat me to, to, to that. This bottle is going to beat me to, to the next chapter. This bottle is going to beat me to my great return. This bottle is going to beat me to my comeback. So I got up. I poured that bottle in the sink, put it in the trash. And for the rest of my rehab, I just focus on rehab and I focus on getting better. And I walk past that bar every day. Now, I'm not saying I didn't have a drink after that. It's not like I, I've never drank again, but I, I realized it was a slippery slope. And if I would have kept drinking the way I was drinking in reaction, in response to what I was feeling, I felt like I was setting myself up for failure in the future. So anytime I was upset about something or emotional about something, I was going to run to that. And I didn't want to have that, knowing that there's addiction in, 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 my, in my family history, knowing um, the, the stories of, you know, people of influence that have been taken down because of drugs and alcohol. So um, that was a moment for me. And I remember turning everything around, hitting that rehab like never before and bouncing back just as fast as Adrian Peterson. And even my coach was like, damn, bro, like you came back fast. And I did. I came back fast and stronger than ever and ended up getting a contract two years later with the Detroit Lions. So uh, that was a big moment for me because I can always look back to that as a reference point. You know, even if I feel like um, I'm drinking too much, even if it's casual, um, you know, I had a good time on my 40th birthday. We went to Costa Rica. The wife set it up big. You know, we rented a house and we had a whole bunch of couples come up. Dion Branch, he was supposed to make it, but he couldn't. Uh, Seneca Wallace came out um, with his wife, Abby, and, and, a, and a handful of other couples. Um, and uh, and I had a good time. I didn't, I didn't drink too much. Uh, I didn't get blasted or hammered. Um, but I remember saying, I'm 40. I want to come out of 40, come out of this birthday weekend. And um, I want to fast from something. I was like, I'm going to pick alcohol. I'm going to pick uh, hard alcohol. I'm going to just do it till 2022. And the wife was like, why? I was like, I don't know, just just to see if I can do it. And I feel like that moment when I was in Alabama, like knowing that alcohol doesn't have power over me, I can have power over it. Uh, so wow. um, so that that that's a moment in time where I knew that the darkness was only because my eyes weren't open. Like, I know that depression is a real thing. And I feel like there's two types um, in my life where I either dig a hole, dig a hole, dig a hole, dig a hole. And I'm thinking to myself, man, how did I get down here? Not realizing I done dug myself into this position. And there's the other type for me where I think everything's so dark, everything's so dark, man, what's going on? And something says, open your eyes. 
and mm. look at all the beautiful things around you and the support system you have around you and all the great things that you have going and how many people need you, um, even though you feel like you may not need the support. So, uh, yeah, so that was one of those, Nate, open your eyes and realize how bright today really is. So my man Dirty showed up for your 40th. Shout out to Dirty Dion Branch. You know what I'm saying? I had to, I, I had to get that out there. There's a few more that's important that I ask. And since we're talking about depression and we're talking about dark times, um, I've been fortunate to be around NFL players now for 18 years. Uh, and there's, an unfortunate thing that I've seen over the years is when those playing days are over or when those playing days are coming to an end, I'm quite sure that there might be a former player that's going through it right now that might see this. I'm quite sure there is a current player that's going through it that might see this. What do you have to say? What advice do you have to give to your your brothers, your fraternal brothers in the NFL that are seeing this? One, I would say uh, a brighter day is ahead, no matter how dark it seems right now. Um, that breakthrough is just around the corner, so keep pushing. That's just words of encouragement as far as how they should see themselves. One important thing, shed the title of being just a football player. And I know in your entire life you've been told you're an athlete, you're an athlete, peewee, high school, college, pros. That's all you've known, known, that's all you've known, known. And, uh, and, and that sometimes can be misleading in the next chapter because you might not find the same type of success. Most of the time you're not going to find the same type of success in that space. So who were you before football? What are your interests outside of the jersey? When you take that helmet off, who are you? The reason I bring that up is because when I was young, I was a kid who loved cartoons. Still do. I love animation. I love um, vibrant storytelling. Um, I, all those things I talked about, music, and movies, pop culture, um, the political landscape, the dichotomy between social classes and also races and religions and cultures. I love learning different ways of doing different things, alternative methods. Um, the reason I bring all these things up is because when I was in the league, they didn't encourage those things. The league didn't say, hey, who else are you? The league was like, yo, you're a football player, be a football player. We pay you to play football, go play football, do your job, do your job. And then after that, figure out whatever you want to do. But during my career, I was like, you know what? I need to try some different things. I want to start a foundation. I want to, I want to rap on the side. I want to write poetry. I, I, I want to, I want to draw. I want to do animation. I, I thought I was going to be a famous painter when I was younger. I'm going to tap back into that. You know, I, I love clothing and fashion. I, I'm about to see if I can launch a, a t-shirt line and t-shirt line jumped into a, a clothing line. A clothing line jumped into a suit line. And I want to, I want to see if I can help athletes invest their money. So I linked up with my advisor and we created a firm. You know, I want to, I want food. I want to start a restaurant. I want to open one. So I started to do all these things. The reason I say all that is because I found so much success in things outside of football. So for individuals that might be struggling with that transition, tap back into who you really are. What were you interested in as a kid, a teenager, even in the league? What things did you have to metaphorically put on the shelf? Now, dust them things off, grab them. And, all right, I'm going to start tapping back into this. I know it's true. I promise you it's true. I, I'm doing a weekly show with Nickelodeon. You know why that is? Because about nine years ago, I was like, you know what? I love animation. Now I got kids. I'm going to make sure that I do things in that space because it makes me smile. And it's a great way to send a message to kids that are captivated by the imagery of cartoons. Um, and I can animate my stories visually. And then I went to the NFL Network and I was like, y'all, we should we should do like uh, SNL animations, like those those SNL short clips. Like We yeah. should do those. 
And initially they were like, eh, you know, you just got here, Nate, chill out. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of earn your stripes before you start presenting ideas. And then after I did earn my stripes and Good Morning Football was a success, they came back to me and was like, hey, you remember that idea about the animation? Yeah, yeah. How about we, we take your stories and then we animate them? I'm like, okay, about time. Let's get it popping. That right there, I think that was the inception, the seed for what I'm doing now with Nickelodeon. And Nickelodeon is bridging the gap between young fans and the NFL. So I bring all that up, not to pat myself on the back, not at all. What if I just never expressed the fact that I love animation or I want to tap into that? What if I just, I, I because I was a foodie, I was like, I just want to travel the world and eat food. That's cool. You get experience, but you're also spending money paying for other people's food. If you love the culinary arts, dive into that. If you love music, dive into that. If you love art, dive into that. If you love playing an a, a instrument, dive in. If you want to go into politics, look at Dante Stallworth. Like his story is, is wow. one of success and praise, a dark moment where he had an incident, and then he bounced back and is literally one of the most um, intelligent individuals, especially in the political spectrum that I know. Um, he has rewrote the narrative of his career. So, um, and, and you can tell he's so passionate about it now that he always was. There probably wasn't guys in the locker room that he could sit there and have a conversation with about the election or what's going on locally and, and how the local politicians could help out in their communities. He probably wanted to have more of those conversations, but didn't have the safe space for it. So if you're looking for a start to your next chapter, the first words that are written down should be, who am I without football? And that's a great launching point for what you want to do next. Who I am without football. That was beautiful. And it's called leaving a legacy. And Nate, I'm grateful for your time, man. And one of the questions that I'm going to ask each one of my guests is going to be what they, what does Nate want his legacy to be? I want my legacy to be someone who is always, always, 100%. Not occasionally, not sometimes, not majority of the time. 100% gave more than he received. Thought about others than he thought about himself. Um, That's first and foremost. Um, Secondly, at this point in my life, I can care less if you thought I was a good athlete. I used to love the praise. He used to stroke my ego. When you say, hey, Nate, oh, man, I used to hope that the next sentence was, I loved you as a Viking or I remember you as a Seahawk. Man, those Lions days were crazy. That one touchdown, that game winner, that crazy catch, that pump. I used to love that. Now, that doesn't even speak to my soul, not one bit. I'm not being dismissive to the NFL fans that do. You can still come up and say, what's up? I'm going to hug you. I'm going to give you a high five and take a picture. You know I got love for you. But it just doesn't touch my soul like it used to. What touches my soul now is when people walk up to me and they say, that piece you did on social justice or that, that documentary that you were part of, I learned so much. Or what you said about domestic violence on the show today. Or how you spoke up for women's rights. Or how you represent the culture of African Americans. We've seen you on TV on the biggest of stages rocking dreads and braids and twists and, and, and showing the, 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 the color of our skin and the kinkiness of our hair. And you've done it. And Nate, I can tell that it's done in strategy. When people say that to me, like that touches my soul because it, I do do it. Purposely. I've rocked every hairstyle on TV, not because like I'm, I'm afraid of losing it and I, I want to, want to grow it out. I do it because I want to normalize the, the, the different looks that people of color come in. And I, and I, I, I don't want there to be judgment when you see a, a, an African American 
with dreads and you automatically assume he's from the hood and he's a country bumpkin. Nah, I want you to give that person a chance like you give everybody else a chance because that person could be the most articulate one of them all. So when people come up to me and they talk about the moves that I've made on TV, it's not about me. It's about kicking down the door so the next person can walk in without problem. I'm not the first and I definitely won't be the last. But what I can do is walk in the footprints of those who came before me and make sure that the footprints are there for those who are going to come after me. That's my legacy. That was heavy, bro. And I'm, I'm appreciative. But there's one last thing. And I have this opportunity to say this back to you. And you're right. You were a good football player, but that isn't and wasn't my favorite thing about you. You are great at what you do today on television. And that's still not my favorite about what who you are. The greatest thing that you ever did for me, Nate, was years ago when I was cleaning cars for a living and you treated me amazing. You, your wife, Atoya, you guys treated me with respect, and I always respected you for that. And I truly believe that you and others, that I stand on the shoulders of those that were great to me. And I want to take this time to say, not only am I proud of you, but I'm grateful for you. And thank you for what you did to me years ago. I appreciate you, my brother, man. That 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 hit home. Um, you know, I, I never... I never looked at you as a, a dude cleaning my car. I, 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 when I, when I met you, even when you had the small startup, but the big idea, um, I saw you as this, this forward thinking businessman. So the reason I showed you respect is because, um, it's not about what you did. It was about who you were. So you were a friend and a family member versus some dude coming to clean my car. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you as a friend and a peer in this media space. Um, and I'm glad that I can look at you as more than that. You're truly one of my brothers. Nate Burleson, everybody, leaving a legacy. I'm grateful for you, brother. <laughs> yes, sir. Give my family the best, man. Yes, sir. Peace and love to you, man. Take care of your family as well, bro. Definitely. Tell the youngest I said, what's up? I will do. Thanks, Nate. All right, bro.